This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the Internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to this discussion with Professor Bruce Dale from Michigan State University talking all about biofuels, alternative fuels, and like. Great having you here. Thank you. Tim Higgins is also joining us from the Detroit Free Press and James Amen from wardsauto.com. And great having you guys here for this part of the discussion, too. Professor Dale, there's a lot of attention that's being focused right now on LG for gasoline. In fact, as I'm sure you well know, ExxonMobil has possibly committed as much as $600 million to go into research with this, provided that the company they're working with meets certain milestones. But have you looked into this? What, what do you think of LG for fuel? It has a long way to go. The, even the proponents of algae-based biofuels say this can cost about $33 a gallon to make a diesel fuel for, uh, from algae. They have to be down by a factor of 10 before you start even being in the ballpark. So they have of course, they're at the early age of the de development. One That's would think right. the price and would they, come and, down. And they might get there. Okay. But their, their problems have more to do, the cost of making algae biofuels have more to do with what it costs to move around a lot of water. Because these are, you know, these cells grow in water and uh, you have just to move and filter an awful lot of water. I, I got a press release the other day in, in my inbox, and it was from a company that's talking about um, making making ethanol from wastewater treatment plants. Uh, that would be the the ultimate, I guess, in recycling. But uh, what are the odds of that? Well, I, I think all of these processes will actually end up. The, the wastewater treatment facility is, is so-called biosolids, or you know what? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, <laughs> it's all it's all organic matter. It uh, has the raw materials in it, a lot of cellulose from which we can make biofuels. And so it will be having the right process and attractive uh, raw material costs, which I assume would, might be pretty attractive. <laughs> and that, that kind of gets back, I think, to that, that distribution topic we were on earlier, because if you were to set up refineries by wastewater treatment plants, then you would have some strategically placed places to distribute from. Correct. Yeah, they intended to be closer to cities where it would be used anyway. That's right. If you had to ma wave a magic wand then to make ethanol become more available, especially cellulosic ethanol, what would you do? What kind of policy would you set out for the country? Well, first we have to get rid of the blend wall. We have to figure out a way so that the vehicles are protected, the auto manufacturers are protected. But we have to make a room in our, our pool, our f fuel pool, for a lot more ethanol. Now, there are other alternatives, things besides ethanol, that are perhaps more uh, fuel, more fuel fungible, more easily mixed. But uh, the economics for doing those, the technologies are a whole lot less well established in ethanol. And I don't think we can afford to just wait for those to get better. We need to push forward what we have and then things will get better over time. It's what, what happens with technology. It's interesting to watch the politics on this situation. You would think that uh, the ethanol industry wouldn't have to be acting like the underdog in this debate after the Obama administration came in. And there's so many Democrats who supported the ethanol uh, and during the last uh, you know, election. Uh, was Senator McCain was against ethanol, and the, the Republican Party during their platform even was a little against ethanol. Yet here we are having a discussion about ethanol and trying to drum, drum up some some excitement about the topic when batteries are taking the center stage across the the, the debate. What, what do you think happened here? What, why is why is batteries trumpeted the idea of ethanol as the solution? Yeah, well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, partly, it's uh, the desire of the media to focus on the next big thing. And uh, sometimes it's our inability as a country to focus on one thing and move it forward. And I think there's a lot of folks in the environmental movement uh, who see battery electric vehicles as a beautiful thing, you know, uh, 
all of our problems are solved, I'll just power those batteries uh, with wind or solar and life will be beautiful. It's not that easy. Uh, and so I welcome all the sustainable battery electric vehicles we can possibly get, all sustainable electricity. But they're not an answer for everything. It's hard to imagine, for example, a battery-powered jet aircraft. That's 30 billion gallons of fuel. And just a lot of things we're not going to be able to use batteries to power. So I welcome them, though. I hope we have more and more of them. Well, it's it's interesting. I was just talking to someone in the in, in the ethanol industry, and, and he was telling me that his competitors aren't necessarily other ethanol makers or people trying to you know develop that that sort of technology to make ethanol. It's the public per perception. It's it, it's people in Congress. What steps can you take to 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 change the course of thinking for people? Well, you keep educating, including educating our lawmakers. Uh, I think our Congress is pretty well up on it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with more political pressures from their, their constituents. And there was this issue, I think you kind of alluded to it, uh, that whether uh, having biofuels was a bad idea because it led to land clearing someplace else in the world and the associated carbon release. Um, that's a very complicated issue to get into here in a few minutes. But, but basically, if we held other fuels to that standard, we would make our battery electric vehicle that was powered by solar energy responsible for the, electric, the carbon emissions from a coal-burning power plant. That's a so-called indirect effects analysis. I keep pointing out, too, and I, I'm a big proponent of the electrification of the car, but uh, it costs more to recycle a lithium-ion battery than it does to mine virgin lithium. That tells me there aren't going to be a whole lot of recycling of these batteries unless there's some mandate to do just that. And there's environmental degradation that goes along with the process of making batteries, too. So th there is no magic bullet here. But that's, if I can only you know, leave one message with you, you guys and also with your, your viewers, we, there isn't any silver bullet to solve our fuel problems. We have a lot of silver buckshot, okay? <laughs> and we need to apply all of that. The, the battery fuels are part of the silver buckshot. Ethanol is part of it and some of the other solutions that are coming down the pipe. But we have to have more efficient vehicles, all those sorts of things. There's not just one thing that's going to fix this for us, and we've got to get past that, and we've got to be a little bit mature about what our true alternatives are. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this again in 20 years. Well, good. That's probably a good point to wrap up this discussion. <laughs> but Professor Bruce Dale from Michigan State, thanks for being here for this AutoLine Extra. Tim Higgins, thank you, and James Ammon, thank you, too, and thank all of you who have tuned in.